for James to be on the ball here if he turns around. Gary Rodriguez looking to throw in. Facing the count, gets it in. And Rodgers with the score. Seven seconds to play. VCU up by one. No timeout for the cross. Kitchen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All the Years, a podcast where we relive some of the greatest March moments with the very people who created them. My name is Russell Steinberg. If you missed our last episode, go back and listen to former George Mason player Jai Lewis take us through the Patriots' 2006 run to the Final Four. Also, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash allthyearspod to sign up. Special shout out to our Final Four and National Championship level patrons, Chris, Gale, and Andrew. Today, we stay in the Colonial, but we jump ahead to 2011. It was the first year of the first four in Dayton. One of the bubble teams that was sent there went all the way to Houston in the national semifinals. Bradford Burgess was a junior on that VCU team, and he converted the game-winning layup in overtime against Florida State in the Sweet 16. Burgess talks about his big shot and how the Rams humiliated the Power Five on the way to the program's first Final Four. As always, if you haven't subscribed to All the Years already, please be sure to do so. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Rate and review as well if you so choose. And for now, sit back and enjoy Bradford Burgess reliving his one shining moment. So I know even before 2011, you know, when you started at VCU, uh, you, you was under Anthony Grant. And... Sure. If you could just take me through your thinking when when Shaka Smart was hired and and why you stayed with the program. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, my initial thinking, um, you know, just from seeing Coach Smart, he just so he's just so different than Coach Grant. Uh, you know, physically, uh, presence wise, and it was just it was just a little bit different. Like this was a shock. We're kind of expecting something similar to Coach Grant. Uh, that's as the players, but once, you know, Coach Smart walks through the door, uh, you know, you're looking to see where the rest of them is compared to Coach Grant. But, uh, um, you know, we were a little hesitant at first. I think that was evident in the way our season went. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main reason I stayed was because of Coach Rhodes, Mike Rhodes, who's the head coach at VCU now. Yeah, uh, he, he had a, a longstanding relationship with, um, my high school coach Sean McElhinney, who's at IMG Academy now, and I had known Coach Rose for a few years prior to being at VCU. Um, just being around his Randolph Making program, and just being an area kid, uh, and him coming to our games and him interacting with our coach, uh, it was uh, you know a, a good relationship that I, I had trusted, and and he basically you know swayed me into, into staying in Richmond. And, you know, the VCU program has gone through, you know, over the years, I think five head coaches in the last 18 years, Anthony Grant, mm-hmm. Chaka Smart, Rhodes, uh, Will Wade. What is it about the program that has kept VCU so strong despite the turnover? Um, I mean, you, you can even start that trim with uh, Coach Capel. Uh, yes. I, I think Coach Capel and – uh, VCU had, had been labeled as kind of a, a stepping stone program. 
um, for those young coaches that were, you know, making making news headlines nationwide in terms of success and uh, and tournament success, and they would go on to to you know power five programs or or whatever. And um, I think that's that's just what what it had been. Uh, you know, we'd have success we'd make a run in, in the conference tournament win a championship and or make it to the postseason and then make those you know uh, those crazy runs and uh, uh, the, the money would talk I guess or the opportunity would talk and you know within five years or max at the time uh, a coach would be gone not, not saying you know that I, I can't blame them uh, the opportunity for to provide for your family and the challenge of being in a power five, I, you know, I can't blame them. Um, and, and that's what, what it's been. And uh, just, just to be able to, to continue to stay strong throughout all that transition is just a, I think a testament of, of, you know, the kind of culture that we had at VCU with the returning coaches kind of already being under the tree of a, of a previous coach or, you know, in relation with the previous coach, so they didn't have to change much. But um, the the players that, you know, were still there kind of still understood the same culture that had been built previously, and they wanted to continue that. Yeah, that, that's a good point about the culture. And, you know, when Shaka was hired, he brought his style of defense in with you guys that was nicknamed Havoc. Can you ex- mm-hmm. explain what that defense was and kind of what everyone's role had to be? Um, it was basically about just, just dictating pace um, and, and, you know, making sure your opponents weren't comfortable on the floor, always pressuring, never, never any moments where they could just, you know, take a breath. We wanted to always continue to have pressure on the ball handlers, pressure in the passing lanes, um, you know, just, just utilize the, the whole 94 feet of the floor to, to just create that havoc and that pressure and that discomfort for the, the opponents and, and force turnovers and force bad shots that would lead to easy baskets on the other side. Now, in, in this year, in 2011, you had um, it, it wasn't just you, obviously. You had four players averaging double figures. You had three guys who were shooting 40% from three. What, what do you remember about the, the cast on that team, maybe the top four or five players, about how well they played together? Um, yeah, it was, it was just the trust that we have with each other, um, the camaraderie we have with each other. I think that it started off the floor. Um, you know, we're, we're – best friends to this day uh you know we're talking to each other constantly um a lot of us have families now so you know we we just can relate to them on a, even even another another front and uh it's it's just it's just like i said it goes back to that culture that the the guys that brought us in at the moment especially you know coach coach grant and his staff um you know, they, they brought in like-minded guys who wanted to win, who knew how to win. A lot of us coming in were, you know, either high school champions or had made it to a state championship. So we knew what it took to win to an extent, not quite, you know, to the college level because we hadn't been there. But in order to make it uh, to the postseason and make deep runs, um, 
we we knew that it would take a lot of a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication, and uh, we were prepared to do that. And um, that just you know that just spilled over to when Coach Smart came in. Um, we didn't necessarily have you know a, a lot of times where we were seeing eye to eye early on, but the end result we definitely wanted to win. We wanted to win ball games, and the coaching staff, the new coaching staff, wanted to win ball games. And um, to the end, at the end of the day, that's what we felt was most important. Um, but you know, that, I think the the first year that Coach Smart came in, that was definitely the the struggle that we had was just getting guys to buy in to uh, the change, even though it wasn't too dramatic of a change or too drastic of a change. It's just the the thought of change. I think obviously, and you know, and anybody doesn't really like change or a lot of, you know, they fear change and we were comfortable. We had just had a, a championship run. We just made it to the tournament and, you know, we, we felt that success and we thought we could, as, as a team, we thought we could, you know, replicate that success in that year, despite the, the changes in coaches. Yeah. And w- whenever there is a coaching change, you, there are growing pains that go with it, right? And how did Shaka handle that? And how did he ultimately get everyone to buy in, even if maybe you didn't see the results right away? Um, we just, it, once we, we just saw how fun, how much fun we could have. Um, just playing that, the style. We uh, didn't press as much with Coach Garrett. We got, we got after it, but um, I think with, with, Coach Smart, we just took it to the next level and just uh, being able to fly around on defense and, and you know, disrupt the, the opponent's offense and try to get steals and easy baskets on the other side and just being able to play loose. And, and Coach, Smart, Coach Smart had a thing, um, they called it ACL, and it was playing aggressive, confident, and loose. And... That's just what we he wanted us to do. That's what we did. And we just were out there not having to worry about making a mistake, looking over your shoulder and having somebody, you know, at the, at the scorer's table. Uh, you could go out there, play free, make a mistake, make up for your mistake, play for each other, and and do what whatever it is that we do, whatever our role was, and do it to the best of our ability. Yeah, and you, you talk about confident and, and loose. You could certainly see that in, in how you guys played in the NCAA tournament. But I think when people think about that run you guys had, and you know, rightfully they'll think about the Florida State game, the Kansas game, you know, winning five games to get to the Final Four, all, all of that. But people forget you you really struggled down the stretch in the regular season. Won only three of your final eight games there before the NCAA tournament. A CAA school that does that's not supposed to make the NCAA tournament. What what had to change in order for you guys to have success once you finally got in? Um, yeah, we uh, we we struggled there at the end, but before that, we had gone on a little bit of a streak. We had won some games. I think just especially with our seniors, they started to see uh, you know their light at the end of the tunnel, and the, the, their time was coming to an end, and. Um, you know, we, we had to regain focus and and get back to doing the things that we did to, to win those games that we had in, in years past and, you know, the beginning of the season. And I think part of that 
uh, you know, getting back to, to winning those games like we did in, in the beginning of the season. Uh, for our non-conference games, beating UCLA, uh, playing Tennessee, tough. Yep. Um, beating uh, Wichita State in Wichita State for the bracket buster. Um, beating ODU at home in a, for a conference game, which is tough to do. Um, you know, those those games, they they weren't easy games to win. And, and you know, we, we followed a, a recipe of success for us that, you know, could translate to, to any game and every game. But we just had lost focus there towards the end. And we just knew that our, our days were numbered. So let's, let's, let's make the most of it. Yeah, and I, I talked to uh, Jai Lewis last week from the George Mason team that went to the Final mm-hmm. Four, and, and he had a mm-hmm. – it was a similar story to, to what you guys did. Obviously, you know, CAA team that, that goes to the Final Four, that barely, you know, backs into the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I'm wondering because, you know, but both VCU selection and George Mason selection at the time were highly criticized. Mm-hmm. Um, did you expect to make the NCAA tournament? And what, how, how did selection Sunday go, go down for you guys? Man, uh, selection Sunday was, it was just a, a whirlwind of emotions, man. Uh, we didn't gather as a team. I didn't really expect to make it. I thought we were going to make the NIT. Um, Joy Rodriguez expected us to make it. Uh, and he seems you know, like he, he would have that confidence. Yeah, yeah, that, that's him. That's him all the way. That's him all the way. And uh, so I had gone to the five guys on campus to get something to eat uh, by myself. And, um, you know, I'm coming back to the room. I'm, I'm sitting down in, at our uh, table in our apartment, in our kitchen table in our apartment. And I turn the TV on and I'm like, just, I'm just putting up my, my food, like, breaking my bag open so I can eat, setting everything on, on the bag with the fries and everything. And I turn on the TV, like, let me just, you know, check this out. And I promise you, man, as soon as I turn the TV on, I see our name pop up in the playing game in, in Dayton. And it was just like, I almost like fell, fell out of my chair, <laughs> man. Like, I hear Joey and Brandon hollering in the, in the, in the their next room, in the room over, because their apartment building, their apartment is next door to ours. And, and uh, everybody's just running out in the courtyard, just running and screaming. And, you know, I call my mom, tell her we're about to go to the tournament. Like, she thought I was kidding. And she, you know, she got all excited. Then coach, coach called us to Franklin Street. You know, because we had to get we had to get going. We had to we had to we had to lock in, and then probably by the time he called that, all the you know an, an analyst guys and everybody were saying how we shouldn't have got in, and you know it was it was all she wrote after that. And this was the first year that there was the the first four in mm-hmm. Dayton, and and you guys were sent there, so you were the first team that didn't know that they were going to get in that had to go have that really quick turnaround play in Dayton two or three days later. What, what was that like? And what were your thoughts about being sent to the play in games? Uh, I mean, honestly, we were just like, whatever, man, just, just get us there. We'll, 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 we'll show y'all. We'll, we'll show y'all like, 
we were so ready to go. We were so locked in. And um, just especially from us locking in from the conference tournament, I think we showed mm-hmm. we had a good showing. I think that played a part in the decision. We were locked in from that, uh, you know, end of February to beginning of March. Um, we just we just turned the page, man. We we got back to business. We focused on the little things, and um, it was just enough to, to have the committee put us into the tournament. Now, had had you guys been selected to the NIT, you probably would have gotten a few home games. You probably would have been one of the favorites to advance pretty far. But that that's not the case, obviously, when you're an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament and you're having to go to Dayton. What was uh, Shaka's message to you guys at the very beginning? Because it, it would take seven wins to go win the whole thing. What What's your goal going into Dayton? Are you even thinking that far ahead? Uh, our goal was to make it to the Sweet 16 um, going in. You know, that's that would have been the furthest that any VCU team had made it. Uh, no VCU team had made it to the second weekend. That was our goal. Um, and, you know, we just were so locked in that as we kept going, we were like, shoot, why not, why not go one more? Why not go one more until we were playing in Houston at the Final Four? The the first three wins that you guys had in that tournament, the first four and then the first two rounds were all by double digits. Did, did you feel that helped legitimize your selection at all? Uh, for sure. For sure. We knew what we were capable of. We didn't always show it in the beginning of the, in the duration of the year, but um, we knew what we were capable of. We know we had shown glimpses versus some teams versus power five teams and versus other, you know, good teams that were capable of making the tournament and, you know, might, might have not made a tournament because just like you said, man, that Wichita State, I believe, ended up winning the NIT that year. And, yeah. um, you know, that could have easily been us. Like the, the roles, they could have been in the final four that year and, and we could have been in the, the NIT. They were, they're that good of a team. Well, they were in the final four two years later. Right, right. Exactly my point. So like that, they could have, that could have been them. So um, it, it, it just, and we ended, I think we won by one point, one or two points. And, and then Joey hit free throws at the end um, to, to win the game. But just, just saying that, that little, that little one point or that however many points, that effort that we showed in front of however many fans, and we got 10,000 or 12,000, you know, right on yeah. top of you out there in Wichita, Kansas. Like, that's, uh, it, I guess it, it meant a lot to the, the committee. And, we definitely appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, when you do get to the Sweet 16, now you run into a Florida State team that's on a bit of an upset run of its own, and they, of course, gave you more of a challenge than any team in the tournament to that point. What what kind of challenges did they present to you guys? Oh, man. they uh, Their length on the perimeter and, and the interior is, man, it's, it's unbelievable. It's the... It's them and ODU and probably a close second to Drexel, or close third to Drexel. Um, those are probably the three toughest teams I've had to play against uh, in my career. But just their their length, um, it was just you, you can't you can't describe it. It's something you have to experience. We tried to describe it, you know, in in, in scouting and in workouts or, or practice, whatever. 
the kind of practices we were having at the tournament. But once you get in that game, man, it's just athlete after athlete all the way down the bench. And the guys that aren't even playing are probably would be one of the best athletes on our team. And it's just like, man, what are we going to do? So we ended up shooting a lot of threes. <laughs> uh, but um, just if you want, if you just look back in the game, even just for myself, man, going to the rim, thinking I have a layup and it's getting erased, you know, back out to the perimeter when the guy's coming out of nowhere. And uh, it was just like that all, all game. Even on the perimeter, they were blocking shots. Yeah, I mean, they they took away pretty much everything you guys wanted to do offensively, except for, you know, you guys hit 12 threes. And you went, you went six for seven from three. So what did you have going for you in that game? Uh, I was mad my shot was getting blocked, for one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my shots were getting blocked. And, um, you know, just, just uh, we weren't ready for the year to end. Uh, you know, we thought we could, could do a little more. We just just fed off each other's energy. Brandon got hot in the second half. Um, you know, Joey, Joey did his thing. Everybody played their role. Everybody did their part. Uh, guys coming off the bench. Just, just we we weren't ready for the season to be over, and that's that's just all that needed to be said. We had to go out there and play. Now, when you finally get down to the end of the game you're de- you're down a point Joey Rodriguez throwing the ball in from what i understand what, what ended up happening isn't actually what what the play was supposed to be what was supposed to happen on that inbounds pass so um we called we called a play actually we called a play uh, i think it was coming out of a timeout we called a play and um florida state actually I guess they knew what we were going to run, and they called another timeout. And we ended up changing the play, but it's the same lineup as the one before. And um, it, it it initially was like I was probably the third option in the play. It's initially a uh, play for Brandon Rozelle to come out on the, on the wing and, and hit a jump shot, but he kind of ran into scheme when, I guess, trying to get around the screen. So that kind of delayed the timing. So Brandon came out the perimeter late. But uh, Derwin Kitchens, I guess, saw that and was kind of anticipating that. And he was playing on my high side. So when I went to go screen for Brandon, he was just already so far away. I just slipped to the basket. And, you know, Joey, Joey read the same thing. And then the ball was right there waiting for me. Yeah, and you you slipped to the basket as you said, and that pass ends up going only only a few feet because Joey was right there, but he had to mm-hmm. get it between two Florida State defenders. How perfect was that pass? Uh, Joey's an excellent passer, man. He uh, just because of his size, he's not always playing. He's playing underneath the defense, and that's just uh, I kind of feel like that's a lost art a lot. He's he's mm-hmm. great at utilizing bounce passes and and seeing underneath the defense as opposed to playing over top of the defense, which he can do also. But I think that's just one of his greatest strengths is, is his ability to utilize bounce passes and and hit guys on the money. And he, he had done that his whole career. You, you said a few minutes ago you, you were tired of getting your shots blocked in that game. Uh, you caught the ball. It might might have been at a tough angle, but should you have dunked that? Man, it's, it's <laughs> funny you say that. I couldn't, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. 
And it just felt like, man, I was moving in slow motion and I couldn't decide if I wanted to dunk it or lay it up. But I was just like, man, just let me let me just put it in. And, and I just dropped it off the glass and, and right. got back on defense because we still had some time on the clock. But, man, it's funny you say that. I could not I couldn't decide for the life of me <laughs> until it's, I got right up there. <laughs> it, it's funny because even, you know, I've, I've seen the play a thousand times, of course, and even watching it, I still feel like it's about to be blocked because it mm-hmm. just you could kind of see it unfolding. But a- after you finally do uh, lay the ball in there, there's no timeout called. So you have to get back down the court and defend. There's seven seconds left. Um, do you have time to absorb w- what you just did or what's going through your mind as you're racing back down the court? Uh, that, that we had to get a stop. I knew that um, there was time left on the clock, so I knew we, we had to lock in and get a stop. And just just dwelling on what had just happened might have cost us the game. So we all had to, to sprint back, load up to the to the basketball, and and find a man and and get that one last stop. And thankfully, we did. Now, in in that game, if you look at the box score, they out-rebounded you guys by 15. They took 18 more shots than you. You guys turned the ball over more than they did, and you still won the game. What, what does that say about your team and the and the defense that you guys played? Um, just the resilience we had. We, you know, we didn't always get the rebound when we needed to, um, or not when we needed to. We didn't always get the rebound every time, but when it was time to get that stop or get that rebound, or, or make that play, uh, we, we were right there when it needed to happen. And um, that just goes to show the, from the leadership that we have of the players, the coaching staff, um, we were just all working as, as, as one, one, one collective unit. And in the Elite Eight, you end up playing against the number one seed, Kansas. It's another double-digit win, and you led by 14 at halftime. But you have to feel invincible at, at that point, right? Well, what was that like? Uh, after the game or during the game? Uh, just during the game, knowing that you're controlling it against maybe the best team in the country. Um, I mean, we we kind of felt like they had the better individuals, but we were the better team. And, um, you know, if somebody looks at it on paper and, and sees the Morris Twins, Tyshawn Taylor, Josh Shelby, uh, Thomas Robinson, and you know all those guys, and look at our roster, and you're not as impressed by the names. They think you know we might lose by 30 points, especially after they had just played Richmond, you know, two days before, and and beat them pretty handedly. But I guess I don't know because they thought that Richmond had beat us prior uh, earlier in the season. I thought they they might have thought that it would have been uh, a, a cakewalk as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's, that's a different type of game with us in Richmond. That was probably something that was due. We had beat them for uh, a few years in a row. And, you know, they were due for one, and it's a rivalry. And that's a whole different story. But this is the NCAA tournament. And, you know, we're, we were a completely different team from where we were earlier in the year. And um, we, did, we just came to play. I don't know if you heard that the Morris twins had said something to Joey at the, uh, the, yes. the captain captain's meeting at half saying, you know, that we had a nice run, but it was going to end today. And that was just, you know, putting the whole 
the whole gallon of gasoline in, in on the fire, man, because that just that just turned us up. And you know, after we they they started out kind of hot the first minute or so, but after we settled in and locked in, man, it was all she wrote. Yeah. So that those those comments from the Morris twins happened before the game and like that when the captains meet at center court and mm-hmm. Joey hears that does he how does he tell you guys and what's said in, in the huddle before the game because of that uh I can't I don't exactly remember I think they I'm not sure if it was in the locker room or in the huddle or somewhere somewhere I don't just I just know they told us to him and we were like oh yeah I was like okay like <laughs> it just just got us hyped even more excited to go and Man, this is this is the elite eight. This is for a, a regional championship. Um, everybody in the country is watching us. Like we, we just gonna we're gonna put on the show. That's how we. That's how we felt. And you know, sure enough, we did. Uh, again, Brandon Rozelle was hot. Jamie Skeen, like that that clip of, of Brandon hitting the three in front of the bench and talking trash. Man, that's that's just that's Brandon. That's our heart and soul of the team. That's that's just who we are, and you know we we feed off those things. Skeen is the the silent killer. Uh, he had a monster game, and and he won, uh, you know, a player of the region or whatever. And um, man, we just we just we accomplished the goal that nobody ever could have imagined, and it just, it just felt like you said it was a surreal feeling. And then it must have been strange as well when when you go to the final four and you see that you know you, you've drawn butler so you're playing a mm-hmm. team that went to the championship game the year before they're they're kind of like you and that they're the yeah. still a cinderella team from a that's, mid-major conference that, that's uh, what messed us up man that's yeah. what messed us up <laughs> why do you say that uh i'm just i'm just messing but uh man just just it was almost like another conference game man and i yeah. think uh you know i don't know if the focus lacked or, or what, but you can just see in the game and it, shots weren't falling the same they were. Shots were going in and out. I don't know if it was because of the stage, but guys who normally make the plays that they were making, um, you know, it just wasn't happening. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I joke with uh, some of the guys. I coach, I joke with Coach Donovan and some of the other guys that were on the Florida staff that year. I'm like, man, y'all, y'all messed up my national championship, man. Like, <laughs> We we were we were supposed to play y'all. We had played all the other power fives. We want to play yep. y'all in the final four, and and then you know either UConn or or, or Kentucky and ended up being UConn in, in the championship. And, you know that would have been it. Man, they they let me down. They let me down. But <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it was it was a great experience. It was a great game. Great opportunity. Um, you know we just didn't get the stops when we needed. Didn't make the yeah. shots when we needed. And uh, that was it. You know, VCU had been, even before 2011, it it had been an established program. It had won tournament games before. But one thing, at least, that that I remember from 2011 and that has kind of endured since then is just how great the VCU fans were that entire run, how present they were at at everything. Um, And obviously that's carried over since then, too. How, How much did the VCU fans mean to that run? Uh, best fans in the country, man. Best fans in the country. Um, they they are so enthusiastic and, and passionate and, 
and they just they just love their players. They love their team. They love their coaches. Um, you know, they they'll go wherever we are, and and you know everybody knows VCU now because of us, the team, the fans, the band. Um, you know, it's 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 the the cheerleaders were even getting ranked best cheerleaders and dance team. Like it's just so much that was going on with that tournament that everybody, you know, can associate with and and it's just just a great feeling, man, just to be a part of that and not only to be a part of it, but to be from the city and just put our our city on the map for for some some great players and a great team to just play a great band of basketball. Yeah, and also I, I would say it's the best band in the country as well. My opinion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, it's uh, it was a show. It was a whole, you know, it was a whole thing. It wasn't just the game. It was the show, um, on and off the floor. Absolutely. Um, what's maybe one memory you have from from that tournament off off the court, not not during one of the games that that really stands out that maybe people don't know about? Um, man, it's so many. Uh. Man, so many. I don't know if many people know that that Boris Kojo, the actor, is an alum of the of the school. He played he played tennis at at VCU, and his brother played basketball at VCU. And he came to see us uh, at at the hotel in Houston. And man, it was just like like a god walking <laughs> in the room. Man, he just it was just amazing. Man, he's he's a great guy, great guy. Um, but also. I'd have to say the uh, police escorts, man. That that was probably the the that was like really the first time I had been, you know, in, in a police escort like that. That really literally shut down traffic on the highways. Every city, like you know, these are major cities we're in at the time: Chicago, Houston. Um, and just everything just shut down for us, and it was just crazy to see all the all the lanes blocked off and going into major stores and in Houston in the mall and the Galleria and you see nothing but black and gold in some stores and it's just like wow like this this is really us man this is you know we we're we're really here we're really on the final weekend and it's is black and gold everywhere and it's just it's just a, you can't put it in words man it's just an amazing feeling it almost felt like uh, uh, an outer body experience man yeah. like we were we were just, we were there, but we were just kind of hovering over ourselves. Or to me, I was felt like I was you know, hovering over myself, just watching myself as I as I was doing it, and it was just it was just crazy, man. It's just it's hard to it's hard 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 to put in words, man. It's hard to really fathom and you know just put a put a uh, uh, an idea on it because. You just, I don't know, you just really, you just really can't. You just start to thinking about it, and I can go on for days. It's just, yeah. just reminiscing. Um, you know, you talked about how close you were with, with your teammates. You talked about how much the, the fans and the staff and the band and the cheerleaders and the university as a whole means to you. So knowing all of that, what's what's it mean to you now that you've had your jersey retired by the program and to, to see it up there in the rafters of the Siegel Center? Man, that's, that's another one. That's just a, a surreal feeling, and um, it's and just just all the hard work you put in, 
you don't you don't go in expecting to get your your number retired, but you just go in just trying to be a reliable and accountable guy who who does the job and and helps the team win. And um, you know that's all I wanted to do uh, is is just be a guy that was known for doing his job, whatever it may be, the dirty work, the scorer, the defender, the rebounder, uh, you know, making plays for others, whatever it it was that the, the team and coaches needed me to do, I was doing without a without a second thought, without hesitation. And um you know, I just I just wanted to be there, be on the floor to be able to help. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, I wanted to make sure I was um you know, available and able to to help my teammates out at, at any given moment. And that's part of the reason why I was able to start uh, every game in my career and, you know, break that, that starting record by uh, Patrick Newman. Yeah, well, this, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Of course, man. Thank you. Once again, a big thank you to Bradford Burgess for joining us. If you want to hear content from this podcast that did not make the final cut, Support us on Patreon for some deleted extras and additional perks. Again, that is patreon.com slash alltheyearspod. Also remember to subscribe, rate, and review the pod if you have a moment. We will be off next week, but we will return after that as we round out the quote-unquote first season of all the years. Until then, I am Russell Steinberg. Have a great week.